I'm your host, Rena Friedman Watts, and this is the Better Call Daddy Show. Hey, this is Big Daddy, Wayne Friedman. That's my grandpa. Grandpa, you ready for more daddy drama? My dad is my number one hero and number one fan. And I'm a pretty cool dude. All right, season four, baby, here we go. More stories you're not going to believe. And maybe you will after you listen. Five stars. Five and a half stars, two thumbs up. You are a pretty cool dude. Love you, mommy. Don't stand on the table and damn the public. You'll get some words of wisdom to live by. Here we go again. Better call daddy. You know what your problem is? You like me. Yeah, I do. Each week, I interview a guest, share the stories with my dad, and then he weighs in at the end of every episode with his wisdom and wit. Hey, Grandpa. Everyone from influential players to inspirational fathers, and of course, controversial people. Grandpa, my mommy's calling. Creating that legacy one call at a time. And welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Stay tuned. Where's the music? Better call daddy because he knows you best. He's bringing the test. He sees possibilities. Better call daddy, he'll be by your side. Better call daddy, you're the apple of his eye. He sees possibilities. Oh, won't you No degree, no problem. It doesn't matter the school that you attended. Being engaged is the true measure of value. Today's guest, Janide Igbal, is a master engager across many platforms, and I am honored to have him on the Better Call Daddy show. Janide, welcome. The one question I know you always ask all your guests, and I love your promos, is you ask, do you have a degree? Why do you have to ask that? I unfortunately do. I know you do. You have a master's. Yeah, no, I do. That was a different lifetime. And that was like a, I mainly did it for my parents just because I'm Bengali immigrant. It's like, they stopped bothering me as much. My parents have never been that supportive of me in general. And so it was always comparing me to other people. So that kind of just had me like, hey, leave me alone. Like I was always smart enough to sort of meet these things now. Yeah. So that was the story behind the degree. Interesting. I want to go into that a little bit more. Do you think that the pressure from your family was more cultural or do you feel like it was them? I mean, it's a mix because it's not uncommon for a lot of Bengali parents to think that. Like they judge you based on where you go to school, what grades you got, what occupation, and then they mirror that it's not like it's not the norm it's definitely the norm and it's a very destructive norm for a lot of people yeah and i saw a post that you did about your dad and it said that he wasn't around when you were born yeah for the first year so for like the first eight months or the year because while my mom was pregnant he was in the u.s so he lived in the u.s went back came to work And then when after I was born, then we lived there for a few years and then he came back to the U.S. again. So my dad has had a lot of very interesting jobs. He was like a butcher, taxi driver, limo driver, all types of things. Yeah, my grandfather, your dad reminds me of my grandpa because he too, he was like a taxi driver in New York. He was a omelet chef. Okay. He worked in a factory. He was a hustler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you told about those experiences? 
Nothing. My dad is like one of those stoic dads. I learn of my dad through other people, like through my cousins. He'll share stories with my friends. It's just that, I don't know, my dad has is not very good at communicating with my sister and I. Interesting. And you've become really good at communicating. Yeah, but I'm not good at communicating with my dad. So it's like that's something I still struggle with. Interesting. And when did you move to the States? I When I was like three, four years old. So I have no memories. I was born in Bangladesh. I have no memories of Bangladesh. Have you ever gone back? Yeah, I went back like twice. I went like in the second grade. I went before I started high school, you know, the ninth grade. And then I went when I started working after like two years, you know, during Christmas break. I do want to go back. I The only reason I haven't gone back is just financial things. I mean, I have time now. It's just more like the finances to sort of make it happen. Interesting. Do you remember anything particular about those trips? What was it like for you to go back there? My dad's family is a family of seven. My mom's family is a family of six. So he has like several sisters and a brother there. My mom has her two brothers and her one sister there. The other one's in Canada. But it's, it's nice. You go there and obviously the currency conversion is different. So I know how celebrities feel. It's like you have this, you feel like you're so wealthy. It's like you don't have to worry about prices and all that. And it's just different. It's very nice. It's just very, it feels like home. Yeah, I do know, because I feel like the first time I went to Israel, like, I fit in there differently. I mean, I don't fit in to a certain extent, because for Bangladesh, they just like, I know when someone's not from New York, right? Just by how they walk, how they handle things, right? They know I'm not from there. And I speak with a heavy Bengali accent, because I did not, you know, it was only when I was young. So it's like, but I do have a good time there. Like, it's, it's enjoyable. What did you do when you visited? No, it's just staying at different people's houses and eating and just... Like watching movies with friends and families, like nothing crazy, you know, it's not even like I do. I don't even know what touristy things people do in Bangladesh, but it's just like you just see people that you haven't seen since you were a kid. It's just family, just spending time with them, seeing their kids and all that. That's cool. I know your sister recently got married. Do you feel pressure to get married? I want to get married. Just I don't feel obviously they I don't do I feel the pressure from my parents? No, it's just more that I'm at the stage where it's like I've been with my girlfriend for some time. So I, I want to move that forward. And you know, once the finances are good, it's it's gonna happen. Nice. I know you don't usually talk about that that much. I haven't really heard you talk about like your personal life. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't go too personal on LinkedIn, like I'll share things. But I, I don't know that part I don't share as much i i talk about that more in podcasts on twitter spaces on twitter spaces i share a lot more once like i have enough money i'll make the post on linkedin like the whatever the photos or whatever i'll post that yeah since you brought up social media i have to say like i have been following you on many channels i <laughs> i know that you said you used to spend on linkedin but you said you used to 40 do plus like hours a week 40 plus hours a week at one point and now you're doing that on twitter Maybe 20 plus just because I'm busy. But I, in the beginning, I was doing like 20, 30 plus hours a week on Twitter. So I shifted the 40 plus hours a week on LinkedIn to like 30 plus hours a week on Twitter and 10 plus hours on LinkedIn. Now I'm splitting my time between TikTok, Twitter and LinkedIn. It's a grind. I've always done it the grind way just because it's like I like it. It works. And I don't like using engagement hacks. I like being organic and all that stuff. And I find you learn a lot about the platforms when you spend in it. There are a lot of insights you gain. And that's why I've been able to do well. Like I think Twitter, I broke 8,000 recently. And I've been getting some momentum recently. I gained like 100 followers yesterday. So that was cool. But TikTok is definitely like the next focus. How are you gaining 100 followers in a day? What do you attribute that to? 
So that one, I was in two strategic Twitter spaces. The funny thing is, I'm always the resume career guy in these spaces and LinkedIn things. So I go and I speak. I have this knowledge. I've done over 400 resumes for people and I'll share the knowledge. And a lot of people like yesterday in the Twitter space, someone was saying, hey, if you're looking to move past a certain level, you got to get the degree, get the degree in anything. And that's not good advice. Obviously, in certain areas, you have to. And I tell people that's not true. I've done many resumes for people without degrees who moved high up. The fact is you need to know how to sell yourself. You need to know how to network. You need to have a good resume. You need to have a good LinkedIn profile. You need to be active. Like, think about it. If you crush an interview, you have all this experience. Majority of times, they won't even ask you about your degree, right? If they ask you about your degree, it's because there's something that you're missing. I mean, some companies will, like a finance company, funny enough, you could be the world's best trader and they'll be like, oh, you don't have a degree. We literally can't hire you. We got to hire this rich Harvard kid who probably won't get anywhere near the results but because that's that industry but for a lot of industries especially technology marketing it's like hey you got the results oh you don't have a degree who cares you've managed marketing campaigns with 10 million dollar budgets you've grown companies by xyz you've done this many impressions so that's your job that you have to do that is so true personally i don't even think i've been asked ever if i had a degree i mean it's on my resume but yeah yeah i can't remember a time and i've even gotten jobs without a resume I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I got my last job without a resume. The one that I got laid off last week, but I got my last job without a resume. I got off a tweet, but it was by repeatedly showing up. I think another job from my dad's friend, I got it. I'm at the point where I can get jobs just because I've been out in public, sharing my experiences, showing up a lot. And that's the beauty of showing up. It's like if you show up in a lot of places and people understand your work ethic and your body of work, you can leverage it to get jobs. Do you feel like you're being strategic in your time on all of those social media platforms? Or do you feel like you get distracted? You're always going to get distracted with social media platforms. It's just the nature. Like, they're designed a certain way. But I am pretty good compared to most people. Like, obviously, the first time, first few days or week I use TikTok, you know, you get in like three, four hours. You know, that TikTok and you're like, hey, you should take a break. And I was like, yeah, I should. I've seen that ad like twice before. But... Now I'm I'm pretty strategic just because it's like there are some metrics I'm trying to hit. And so I'm very strategic. Some people will say I spend a little too much time supporting others, but that's how I've always done ways. Like one of the reasons like you're on Twitter, like, you know, I probably am one of your top supporters. And then I have that just because I like growing through a community like, hey, most people on Twitter have very low engagement. They only get like two, three likes. And I, I tell people like. I'm able to get more. There are some people with way better content than me or some people just as good, but they're not getting it because I tell people, if I'm always one of your three likes, when you see my thing, you're going to want to tweet. And I'm not controversial or anything, right? So I tell people, like, I use social media as a networking tool. One thing about networking is it's a two-way street. So if people are out there supporting me, I'm going to go support them and I'm going to support other people and keep showing up. And that's helped open a lot of doors for me. I feel like that's a really good hack. Like, if someone is liking your stuff every day, go like theirs, like there's more. Yeah, that's how I started on LinkedIn. You know, in the beginning, you get five, 10 likes. I used to go to each of those five likes, like three of their posts. If I got two comments, I'd go comment on three of their posts. Obviously, you can't always do that. But now I always routinely check like, hey, this person engaged. Let me go engage. And most people will be thankful of that. Like, you know, there are some people on LinkedIn who I see who have good content. I don't tell people like how to improve their content. If they ask me, I'll give them advice. But I don't go, I don't do the unsolicited advice unless like it's like someone I mentor kind of thing. He has such good content. And the thing is, man, I would like all his posts. Get like five to ten likes. All of them. Always all the comments. The guy never supports me. And like, and I paid him. So I'm a client of his. 
And I'm thinking like, yo, dude, I give you money. Again, I'm still going to use him because he's good at his work, but I'm not going to go out of my way to support him. I'm just not. Okay, so I'll take some unsolicited advice. How can I improve on LinkedIn? How can I improve my posts? What are some things that you've noticed? You know what? I'd have to like look at your post. Let me actually kind of look at this. I like your stuff. You know, I, I think like you do your branding well and it, it serves your purpose. You get a lot of good podcast guests. And I think that's uh, at least off first glance. Like that's what I would say. Like I usually remember the extremely good ones or the extremely bad. It's And you're good. So it's hard for me to like point out. Or what are some things that you've recently noticed on LinkedIn that are working? <sighs> Too many damn selfies. Like, I'm not a big fan. I find it so irrelevant. It favors a very certain type. It favors a very narcissistic personality. So I do pictures here and there, but I try to make them funny and I try to go against the grain. But it's like, if I can never post a selfie, like, there are very t most times. So let me, oh, let me like your post. I guess sometimes break up the paragraphs. I find on social media, I see an intro of something. So just break up the paragraph. That's always like a pretty good. You know, one thing that I do is I don't actually even put any links in the comments to promote any of my stuff. I have it in my bio. Do you think they do better that way? Yeah, you know, algorithms always try to penalize people who put links because, again, they want to keep people on the platform. Once you leave the platform, good for the user, not but that's a metric like, oh, you know, they get judged by on time, how, how people are spending five more minutes on LinkedIn. And it's like, so I tend to just have no links, avoid all that stuff. I tend to get more focus on more views, but those views translate to more conversations and more social proof and then drive people through the back end. What are your thoughts on if someone likes your post about one of your podcast guests, sending them the link to listen? Yeah, yeah I think that's a very good strategy. Do you do that? Honestly, like, I don't promote my podcast too much. On Twitter, I do. But if people ask, I'll say, hey, feel free to check out my podcast. But now here's the thing. Majority of people, and I, I've listened to a podcast about podcasting, they don't necessarily scroll down their social media feed. And it's like, yes, oh, Janine has a good podcast. I'm going to go listen to it right now. What they have to do is you have to repeatedly show up to them. And then they're like, oh, Janine has a podcast. And then they have an association with you. And then they're either going to check it out or they're going to be like, hey, my friend doesn't have a degree or my friend needs to look for this. I'm going to recommend Janine's podcast. So I go for a longer term brand building strategy. I like that. I would say what gets me to check out an episode is either the copy, yeah, the guest, or I know both people that are collaborating. Yeah, yeah. that Definitely the guest. I'm a little more like what I've learned is like, I don't know, LinkedIn, a lot of people don't go off platform. You know, funny enough, TikTok people tend to actually go off a little more. Again, LinkedIn I use for certain things. It's good for clients, right? Like referrals and all that stuff. I get a lot of clients, you know, resumes and all that stuff off LinkedIn. But yeah, for podcasting, I found the best thing to do is to go on other people's podcasts. That's like the best way. So I, it's helped me just build relationships with other podcasters. And that's how I use podcasting with LinkedIn, just building the relationships, getting on other people's podcasts. Like I have gotten a lot, a lot of people just by having the podcast in the title. Like it, it makes a big difference. Definitely. Okay. So you said that you wanted to focus more on TikTok. What are some things you've learned about that platform? It drives a lot of traffic. My friend has my, in his bio, he has my, a link to like a resume guide. We've gotten at least 70 sales or something like that, you know, in like the month or something. Something, it was something good, you know. You know, it's like a $29 career guide with like sample resumes that work well and some advice. So 29 bucks and it's like, it's nice. Like he creates and I get, I see the thing and it's like, oh, someone purchased this course. So he he's driven a lot of clicks to my course. So now I'm thinking like, I've never seen that many clicks 
off-platform. Um, whereas LinkedIn, I haven't seen that. So now that's been a big part. And then TikTok is one of those platforms, like, you can grow to, like, 100K in a year, right? If you do the right things and once you gain some momentum, I can't – it's hard to do that on other platforms. So it's like, let me grow the TikTok if I could get to, like, the 50, 100, whatever, 200K – and then from there, I can leverage that to go back to LinkedIn and back to Twitter and saying, look, I got this much on TikTok. And then I can grow those. That helps me grow. And then, yeah, then I can be the true version of myself on LinkedIn. Wow. Okay. So you said that you loved, like, the community aspect. Where are you getting that the most? Twitter. Funny enough. I find Twitter is better for community. LinkedIn is very good, too. I meet a lot of great people on LinkedIn. But I, I just find that Twitter off the bat has a more community feel. And Twitter has Twitter spaces. I mean, LinkedIn has LinkedIn audio events, but it's not as random. Like, I got to go find an event. Like, I, I don't even know if any of my friends are doing an audio event. If they were, I would have no idea unless they DM me. But on Twitter, I can go check out, you know, I can see, oh, Rena has the purple circle. She's in a space. Let me go check it out. So Twitter has that, like, hey, I could just walk in, walk out kind of thing. And then, like, I've had people, like, refer me. I've had people, like, shout me out. Like, the good thing is, like, on the Twitter timeline yesterday, it was like, hey, here's the resume guy. Here are the three guys you got to follow. Hey, you got to have this person. And someone was telling me, like, they were interested in resumes, and they asked for recommendations. And, like, three or four people, like, several people have mentioned my name. So it's like, you know, I'm having that happen on Twitter. And then Twitter, I get to be a little freer just because I post different types of content for different platforms. So Twitter, I'll be a, a little spicier. And have more fun and it's it's the comments and stuff and the community is definitely stronger yeah talk about what you post on twitter mine is random i think yesterday i wrote there's nothing more infuriating than when you see pa new password the same as old password right that's super annoying but i'll post like career advice i'll poke fun at situations i'll post my tiktok the like, beauty of twitter is you could post several times a day i enjoyed that aspect and i'll do a lot of twitter spaces and i'll retweet other people who are supporting me retweet other causes support others but i comment a lot Maybe I tone it down a little, but I used to do 50 to 100 comments a day. I used to do average 100 comments a day. Then it was closer to 50. I think I toned it down just because last week has been kind of like all over the place. But I'm going to get back up there. And then, again, it's hard for me to grow on multiple platforms at the same time because each platform requires a different type of creativity. So I'm getting better at having good workflows that I can make TikTok and Twitter and go and LinkedIn and all that stuff. So when you say you do 50 to 100 comments a day, do you just like go in and do it or do you do it throughout the day? Throughout the day. And to be fair on Twitter, half of them are like fire emojis and hundreds and smiley faces. But that's Twitter. Like, that's OK. On LinkedIn, I try to be a little more substantial. I'll try to support just other people that I know. It's like and it really depends if I'm busy in the middle of something quick or sometimes I'll get a little more thoughtful. But Twitter, you're only limited to 280 characters anyway. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the Twitter spaces. How did you get involved with that? What are you currently doing there? I mean, I love your presence there. Yeah, so I'll tell you for Twitter spaces is that you, you remember Clubhouse, right? Clubhouse was yep. a big thing. And people were like, oh, my God, this is going to take over the world. It's going to eliminate radio. It's going to eliminate podcasts. And I was like, look, it'll, it'll really change the game for a lot of things. But I don't think it'll do it to that extent. I think it'll be a supplement. And as a podcaster, you, you know, audio, social audio is a very good way. I get a lot of guests through that. What happened was I was on Clubhouse for a few weeks and I was spending a lot of time like sleeping at like 6 a.m. kind of thing. And then I was like, OK, you know, and I heard of Twitter spaces being in beta and I was thinking like, OK, Twitter spaces is in beta. The issue with Clubhouse is you don't exist outside the room. So you need to keep being on the platform was like Twitter's more established. You exist outside the room. Your people can go to your tweets after tweets can help your Twitter spaces. So I was like, it's more holistic. And I was like, Clubhouse is a feature of a platform, not a whole platform in of itself. So I doubled down on LinkedIn. That was a good decision because Clubhouse is like, 
I don't know. People just make fun of it on Twitter. But so that and then the other thing is journalists are on, on Twitter. So that's why I spent a little more time on Twitter. Ooh, have you gotten a hold of some journalists? What does what that mean? I, I got like? featured in like an article, like my friend, you know, I made a friend and I got featured in an article. I haven't been as strategic because I've been more focused on growth. I think I'm going to really start reaching out once I get to the 10K because once I get the 10K and then LinkedIn, I'm like at 39K, so almost hitting 40K. But I may disconnect from a couple thousand on LinkedIn before I hit 40K. So we'll kind of see about that. And then TikTok, I'm like 750. So I got to get to a thousand followers to go live. So once I go live, I'm going to start going live like two, three hours a day. Like I'm just going to like go crazy with it. But I really want, as a content creator, I want an whatever, whatever is called omni-channel presence or whatever. I want that because very earlier before I said I want to be my true self on LinkedIn. There are a lot of things I don't say because I don't want to rock the boat in the sense of what the politics with content creators. Like, I want to make fun of other content creators. I want to, like, call them out. Like, there's a big LinkedIn influencer, whatever, and she was talking about whatever. I'm not going to say she's, like, a terrible person, but she was talking about, hey, she's on the board of a charity and they need to raise $5,000. Cool. You know, nothing wrong with that. But her rates are, like, 1000 an hour. So I'm thinking, like, why don't you just go work for six hours and do either like, hey, my charity needs 5000 I'm going to match 2500 so we can get to the 5K. Or it's like, you know, it just to me, it's like, what? Like, you make so much money. Like, it's like my wrestling team needing like 50 bucks. I'm just going to give them money. I'm not going to go to the link to be like, hey, my wrestling team needs 50 bucks. It's like I charge enough that I could like raise that in an hour, right? It, like through nothing. So it's like I really want to call those things out. But when you're not as big, it's just you just you just run into issues of people reporting your account and all that. And so mm. I don't want to get into those fights yet, but one day I'm going to get into those fights. Oh my God. It's my husband's dream to be made fun of by Tim Dillon. Oh, that's funny. Tim Dillon is hilarious, right? That's, yeah. He's hilarious. I'm also glad that you brought up the wrestling. I know that that's really important to you. How did you get involved with wrestling? In the 11th grade, one of my friends was like, yo, we're getting a wrestling team. I was like, what? Like, what is wrestling? Like, you know, all I knew was like the WWE, like what you see. And then we had a team. I wasn't going to make the basketball team. That was like my, I was it tryouts? It was just, it was tryouts, but you walked on and, you know, we were working out in the gymnastics room. We were working out doing push-ups, and we'd wrestle and it was fun. I have pretty good work ethic. Like I never missed practice. I showed up. I ended up becoming the team captain. One of the, we had four team captains. I ended up being one of them and I loved it. Like I loved working hard. Um, it taught me a lot about work ethic. Like, I'm a, wrestlers are known for grinding. Like, you just, hey, no excuses. You figure out a way to win. And it changed my life, you know? It just made me so much more confident. I made so many friends. I met Olympians, you know? I wrestled Olympians, you know, kind of thing. Like, wrestling is a very accessible sport. And then when I left, it's just like I, I like teaching it, right? And it's one of those sports that is very focused on technique. Like, you could, yes, you could boost strength, but people who focus on that lose to people who know technique. Right. So it's like it's my way of giving back. My nephew joined the team this year. So it's like I've been watching him since he was like three months old and he's lost like 30 pounds. And it's just one of those like he has that work ethic where he doesn't miss practice. He's showing up and I like it just because it's like it's by weight classes. So it's like accessible. So it's like if you're bigger, you can wrestle people at your size. And it's it's all about that. And it's it's just really teaches a lot. It's very humbling. Wow. That is amazing. I love that you get to do that with your nephew, too. Yeah, it's it's just amazing and it's like it it keeps me young, you know? It's like like I want to stay in shape cuz I can't have these kids beat me and then like I one of the kids that I've been coaching for is his fourth year. 
Like the first year, he got fourth in cities. The next year was the COVID year. He got second in cities last year. The kid he lost to got third in the whole state. So that's like, it sucked. Like if he went away class higher, he would have won. And then he's ranked first in the city. So this is his year. And I remember like the first year when he got, he lost the match. And he was like, hey, Janaid, I'm done. Like, I was like, what do you mean you're done? I was, and I was like, no, 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 you gotta, come on, at least finish out the match. I don't care what you do after, finish out the match. I was like, I'll give you $100, like, you wrestle your, I mean, he didn't take the money. But now, you you, you got what I mean? And he still remembers his, and then he made an Instagram post. I think I made a, I posted on Twitter where he's like, hey, you know, I want to thank my coaches. And it's it's good to see, like, this kid, just very good work ethic, just focus on working hard. And now he's going to college, and he's asking me the things. But it's really about just helping people grow. Just because I, especially nowadays, I see a lot of parents try. They don't put their kids in a lot of activity. They just want them home all day. And it, I find that you know they people always say kids these days, but I I think it's parents these days. Like you have to let your kid get out, let your kid get hurt, let your kid fail. And one of the things I love about sports is sports is one of the few things as a young adolescent. Where you're allowed to fail. Like, you can't fail your classes. You're going to run into issues, right? In sports, you're going to fail. You're going to lose. You're going to run into issues. You're going to run into conflict. You're going to run into, you're going to deal with processes like, hey, you got to make weight. You got to cut your nails. It, like, really helps you just grow. And, you know, you get to learn. So, and you get to make friends, too. I think it's so important. I really love that. I have tried. I think it's so important now, especially after the pandemic. I've been, like, trying to push my kids to each do an activity. We're on the computer all day, right? And the fact is, it's just the fact of society nowadays. Like, wrestling is one of those things that gives me a break. Like, I'm outside. Not outside, but I'm outside the phone. I'm doing something else. And, you know, you have a lot of unhealthy people. And because, like, sports really helps. Like, I get to wrestle with the kids. I get to, you know, walk. I get to focus on staying in shape. And it, it's fun. Just really keeps me youthful. And it's something, like, I always think that people should get involved in supporting the next generation in some capacity yes i mean that's what the theme of this show is about honestly yeah yeah i love that so much okay i have some questions from my audience so let's go do you have relationships back home yeah my cousins like you know we have a group chat on whatsapp so we do have that and obviously my aunts and uncles i definitely want to see them when i get a chance my dad actually came back from bangladesh the other day he usually goes like every year, so he has some property there, but that's something I really want to do. Again, it's like I had such a cool childhood. Like, if you see pictures of me, it's just me just always hanging out. Like, I was like the neighborhood kid passed around. Like, you go to this person's house, you go to this person's house. And I lived on the first floor, I think, that time. And my cousins lived on the second floor or something like that. And what I do is every morning I'd wake up. I guess kind of, I'd go upstairs, I'd like shower with that, I'd go hang out, and then at night I'd just come back down. So I had like a really interesting thing. And my uncle also lived on like a floor, or maybe he lived with my grandma, I forgot, but he used to have a motorcycle. And at a certain age, every morning, he'd ride me around the block on his motorcycle, and I would like, he couldn't go to work until he did that. So that's what I'd do. And I think one time I thought he was going outside, I got like ready to go on his motorcycle and stuff. So I have like very fond memories of fond memories that i don't remember but i know of and just you know it, it was nice like we you know that family bonding and all that stuff i can tell it's important to you it is it is you know just like my friends i've always been like a very big supporter and stuff that's just how i grew up and i've always lived very close like in the first house i used the in new york city i used to always go downstairs to like the landlord and they're you know still good friends to this day in the second house that, that was like one year that I lived in another house. And then the third house, which I currently still live in, my friend lived upstairs. So he just, just like a doorway. 
and we just come. So you know, I've always I've always liked that, like the accessibility of just hey, popping by, being close to people like that. I feel like you're so nice for a New Yorker. I, you know, it's funny. We're not that mean. You know, it's just just make sure that you keep it moving when you're walking on the sidewalk. That's really it. Other than that, you know, New Yorkers can we're, we're pretty nice. My dad is a New Yorker. He's nice. Yeah, yeah. See, and he raised you, and you're nice. Aw, thanks. Okay, how do people break free of education limit mindset? First, you have to understand education does not mean college. It does not mean school, and college does not have a monopoly on education, despite how it tries to market itself as. You can read a book. You can listen to a podcast. You can get a mentor. You can do so many things. You can take an online course. Education is more accessible than ever nowadays. You can have an education-first mindset. The big thing is don't think of education as only coming from college and don't think of it as only being grades and don't think that education does not mean you can't fail. It's a lifelong process. And education does not end when you leave college. And the sad thing is I think only 40% of college students read a book after college. It's like a very alarming number, either 40 or 60%. And that's like, what? So it's like if you read one book, you beat a huge portion of college students. So it's like what you want to do is you want to adopt a, a learning mindset and don't let anybody tell you that, hey, you did bad in school. I know plenty of people who did bad in school who are very smart, very intelligent, who are having so much great impact and who are changing the world. And I know plenty of people who went to college who are really not doing much. You know, they make make money for like rich people and stuff, but their impact is minimal. I also love how you share resources on Twitter. Like you are constantly doing that. Like yeah. if people have figured out hacks or ways to continue to grow in their careers, you're like constantly putting that in your comments, constantly sharing that. Yeah. And that's impact. I love that. That's building a community is sharing resources and having an abundant mindset and trying to lift other people up. Yeah, I connect through a lot of people that way. And what I find is people realize like, hey, I get recommendations. I become like known as that person. People show up for me in a lot of ways. And that's something I'm very thankful for. Okay, here's a little bit of a controversial one. And I'm going to say it in a PC way. In South Asian culture, do you think women are limited in terms of what is accepted career wise? Yeah, I mean, it's not even like, it's just the fact things are changing now. You know, it's crazy, like, when you see, like, a Bengali woman Uber driver in New York City, that's like, whoa, like, you know, but you're seeing more women just doing different types of jobs. You know, it is a very patriarchal society. There are still even some guys my age, like, they want, you know, they always say, oh, women and who are here, they're different than the ones back home. But it's like, yeah, you just want, you don't want an independent person. You just want someone who's like, you want a mate, right? You want a glorified mate that you can have sex with. That's, like, kind of what you want. And I've seen those types of people where it's like they don't want a partner. But it's changed a lot. Like my aunt got divorced. You know, she's doing well. She got remarried. You know, that wasn't very big. And it's really going to depend. Bangladesh, I've seen like you have I'm Bangladesh. So Bangladesh tends to be a little more progressive than Pakistan. Mm. And it depends which parts of India. But all my cousins, women, they all have like degrees, master's degrees, like all that. It, it really depends by family. But I, I know some other people who are just very close minded and it sucks. And it's like I don't like being around them. Because I think like, hey, people should be free to do what they want. It's up to the people. If you want to get married, you figure out the living situation. But it shouldn't be just you have to do. And the beauty is like my sister was able to get married to who she wanted to. I'm a very nice guy. And even me, like I, my girlfriend's Taiwanese. And it was a battle. But, you know, I finally convinced my parents. Like I was like, I'm not going to get married if it's not to her. So, you know, I've been able to do a lot. But we still have to make a lot more progress. 
we still have to do a lot of things because the common thing I see so many like these girls they like their graduation gift as they get married and you know it's just like uh, look if that's what they want to do cool but I, I don't think like someone should be pressured like hey you have to get married by this age and all that because let people give people some breathing room and some space have you talked about what you want your house to look like or like customs that you want to include or anything like that yeah I mean I'm not too religious like that I'm pretty flexible for me, I just said, like, if I have a son or daughter, like, son more, like, they're going to wrestle. Wrestling is actually the fastest growing high school sport for girls. So if my daughter wants to do that, like, I'll definitely encourage her. I'm pretty lax. I was like, hey, let kids do what they want if we have kids and then support them. Because I never got too much support from my parents in my endeavors. So I want to make sure that I support. And I've, I'm an assistant wrestling coach. And the biggest thing that holds kids back are their parents. Oh, you can't come to Saturday thing. Or you can't do this. Or you have to do this. And, you know, we knew we had a kid that had to quit because his mom was like, I want him home by 430. Or like, I want him home before it gets dark. He lives freaking three blocks away. And I was like, you're stunting this kid's growth for no reason. Was he disappointed? Yeah, I think so. He was, he was getting the hang of it. He joined. He did a lot of practice. He won a medal in his first tournament. Like a rookie early, like a rookie tournament, but he won a medal. But like my parents weren't support, but they weren't that against me. Like I was still able to do it. Like, a, But yeah, to be a senior in high school and your parents won't let you do an activity because they want you to sit at home and do whatever kids who sit at home do, like probably play video games or whatever. It's just dumb. Who did you get encouragement from? Uh, my coach, my high school wrestling coach. So he was very supportive. I'm his assistant coach, so he's my head coach for my nephew, so that's cool. And just, like, my friends around me, but I've always pushed myself. I've always been that way. I've always looked up to, like, you know, like a Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, so that, you know, keeps me going. And I get just encouraged by people who do. Like, I'm inspired by that. I love that. Okay, let me see if there's any other good ones here that I don't want to miss. Okay, yeah, this is one last good one, and then I'm going to ask you if you have a question for my dad. Okay, can you talk about current mental health in different generations and how that affects work culture and limitations and beliefs. Yeah, so I feel like you have the boomers who are like, back in my day, blah, 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 we used to do that. And you know, the funny thing is, that's why they're not retiring because they don't have enough money. You know, back in my day, and it's like, dude, back in your day, a house was like 10K and people made like 10K a year, right? Like historically, like a house was like three times the salary, annual salary. So if you made 60K or 40K, the house was like 120K. Whereas now it's like, Okay, it's like 10, 20 times out. It's like ridiculous, like housing prices. So, and they definitely have like press anger issues or something. I feel like they just some of them are really just angry, just like at the world, at society, and this and that. Then you have the next generation, whatever. Let's say the boom, what is boomers like 60s, the 80s, whatever, something like that. Then you have like the 40s to 60s, and I think they're much better at it. But they still have issues all back in my day. Like, if your boss hits you, I just keep on working. And then you just look at them like, you're just kind of crazy. Like, that's not normal. And then you have, like, the 30s to 40s. Well, 30, let's say 30 to 45. I feel like these parents are setting their kids up for failure just because they coddle their kids way too much. And a lot of times, like, people say this generation. And I was like, yeah, this generation was raised by the parents of the last generation. And they're... They have a lot of control because I see a lot of kids in high school and it's like they don't know how to handle a lot of situations because their parents are like, oh, I don't want my kid to do this. I don't want my kid to do that. Or they'll show up to school because their kid gets into a small thing and they're like, dude, like your kid should be able to manage a certain thing. You get involved when as a last resort. But again, they're much better with mental health. And then I think this current generation, I think it's it's like very different. Like things are going so fast, like the AI. There are things that your parents just don't know how to deal with. Like what if you're getting harassed on social media? Like they didn't have that. Like before 
you came home, you were shot, you were away from school, and now it's like your text messages. It's just very different. I am happy that people are taking mental health more seriously because it's something that impacts a lot of people and it causes a lot of issues. Like my dad is definitely like a crazy, angry man. And it's definitely how he was raised and what he grew up in his life situations. And yeah, he's done a lot for me and he, you know, raised me, but we don't want more people growing up like that just with these anger issues. And I'm glad things are taking, but I think we still need more progress because you'll see people, people talk about getting harassed and all that. And they'll be like, well, thankfully you had a job back in my day. Women didn't get jobs and all that. And I think we just need to have nuanced conversations. I think that's, it's healthy to have those nuanced conversations. Okay. I have one more question. Yeah, go ahead. What is your mindset around money? Money is a tool. I think money exposes people, people who are good money amplifies their character people who are not good money does not amplify their character right like you get to see how they really are it's important that you should use it and be smart with it just because it opens up opportunity and you can you can leverage it and all that but i think money is the important thing about money gives you accessibility and freedom if you do it the right way but you have to know how to use it just like it's a tool you can have money handicapped you you know i've known people who made a lot of money and they're handicapped by that money right because they don't know how to separate themselves from the money so i think it's very important that you need to have a healthy relationship with yourself i try to do it like even if i had no money how could i do it right like i have no problem being a whatever career for like 15 bucks an hour and i've made well over a hundred dollars an hour like when i'm working with clients you know 100 to 200 an hour but i have no issue like money i have no ego around it like if i need to work for 15 10 to 20 dollars an hour i'll go ahead like i have no issue and I, i'm i understand like how privileged i am to sort of be in the situation i'm in oh my gosh my dad's gonna absolutely love that answer thank you okay do you have anything to ask him what new york values did you instill in rena that's a good one i know values are important to you yeah values are, are everything i'm a very value driven person like for me i like working with people who have values i don't like working with people who don't have values i like making fun of people who i don't align values with so i mean that's my ultimate goal on social media to get big enough that i can just make fun of people that i don't align with okay well i would be up for you making fun of me sometime that can no be fun. no but I, I mean you're cool so why would i make fun of you so there's no like i have to have like a like an edge you could put on like a headband or like i don't know i consider that parody as opposed to making fun. Fun is like, I come like, I don't like you. I'm going to talk shit. But parody, you know, I could do that. I could wear a headband. That could be fun. Okay. This has been absolutely amazing. Let people know how they can find you everywhere. So you can find me on Twitter. I'll give you all the show notes. So I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok. Uh, if you search my name, you'll find a lot of things. J-O-N-A-E-D. Janai, the last name I-Q-B-A-L. I have a resume course, so if any of you are looking to advance your careers, I've done over 400 resumes. I've gotten people into Microsoft, Amazon, Google's, all these companies that do layoffs and stuff. And I've also gotten people raises in the $40,000 to $120,000 range. So I really know my stuff. I've done it for all types of people. If you have it, I'll give you a link. You'll have it in the show notes. You've heard from my mom. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. What well, a very interesting and well-thought-out interview with Janide. He comes from another country, Bangladesh. He had 
a questionable relationship with his father growing up, where he didn't necessarily get the values and ethics that he has today. He really found out through other people about his dad because communication, which is he's now an expert at, he's found out that sometimes you got to work really, really hard to improve your communication skills across a, a whole different amount of even where he's on Twitter, he's on LinkedIn, he's on TikTok, he's on Facebook, where if you have trouble communicating with someone, the story is it's to learn how to communicate everywhere. And finally, he's got a much better relationship even with his father. But look how this is another example of where did he get his values from? Was it from reading a book in school? Or was it being part of the wrestling team and being part and mentored by his wrestling coach, who now he's an assistant to the wrestling coach, where they work hand in hand together their whole lives, it looks like. Isn't that an unbelievable type of relationship to have? He gets the camaraderie and the networking. And as I've mentioned to you before, what you're supposed to learn in school is you're supposed to learn how to learn. How many people go to school, they get a degree, and they don't know diddly because they memorized, they passed a few tests, they didn't really study or they really didn't learn how to learn and apply themselves. So when they're done with school, they're done learning. Even if they get a job, they maybe know how to do one thing and they have no common sense. They have no experience in following up and learning other things when they're done where they become really quite finite. And some people, as you know, I'm working with a fellow running the Metalite business again, who never went to college. And yet if you show him how to do something, he not only learns how to do it, but he'll learn how to do it and make improvements on it and do it better than you. And he's on the internet and he's uh, listening to all kinds of YouTube videos and he's reading and he's going to shows and having people teach and show him. Guess what? That's a better education than sitting in a classroom looking up at the at the walls and the clock where you can't wait to get out of there. So where do you really learn? You learn your experiences and school is supposed to give you the tool to learn how to learn. And a lot of people don't get it. They think that if they have some kind of piece of paper, it's almost like the Wizard of Oz, that all of a sudden, if you have a piece of paper saying that you have courage, all of a sudden you have courage. No, you have courage by demonstrating and showing it every day in the real world. Some of these values of being hands-on and participating and reaching to do better all the time is the type of values hopefully you did get from your father. I think so. It sounds like you like the idea of his podcast, too. I do. I love this podcast. And I love how he also understands that when you're on one network, you don't necessarily play the same tricks. You have to learn what goes best with that communication. So he's become quite a communicator when this was an area that he was lacking in. So not only did he improve his communications, but he became a master or an expert at it. And that means that we all can do that. That's what it means. But he also brought up that lesson that people that just want to toot their own horn, don't want to share ideas, don't want to really realistically connect with you and have them join your network. Not only does he not want to waste his time with those people or help them, but he would like to even make jokes and laugh about it. Instead of getting mad about it, he wants to laugh about it. I love that. That's like taking your perm basket to your best friend or to your, your worst enemy or the person you're having a conflict with and seeing what their reaction would be by being nice to them. It's very effective. It's the best flip of the script there is. It's just unbelievable. But the sad part is, is that some people never change. If they're only, you know, he brought up the tool of money. If certain people 
that get hung up on money and don't use it as a tool for good goodness, and it's only for self-centered interests, they also demonstrate by the use of it how shallow they really are. And those type of people, you're better off being uplifted and working with people that do know how to use money in a more generous way. 100%. I love that. What did you think of the comparison to your dad and his dad? Well, the interesting thing is, is that when someone is diverse in their background, is able to learn how to do and function in any capacity where nothing is too big or too small. That's what my dad used to say also, is that you want to be the best that you can be, even if it's just cleaning the toilets. You should be proud of whatever you do and do it the best that you can. And not necessarily whether you're getting paid $5 an hour or if you're getting paid $100 an hour. What I liked about the same theorem that I grew up with is that you do every job the best that you can, no matter what it pays. That's the type of values and ethics that we need to pass on to all of our children, not just Arena Joy. That's respectable. And respect people for what they do. I can almost hear your dad saying that. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that I've heard it many, many times from him. And you've heard this on other shows, is that if you want to also gain respect, don't tell somebody what to do. Work with them. Show them. Work hand in hand with them is a lot more effective than putting your finger in their nose and bossing them around. People have a lot more respect when you're down to earth and you show you have the real values. And what's interesting is that when it comes to knowing whether a person's been to college or not, what difference does it make? It's what you show on the playing field every day. And if you know what you're talking about, I doubt that anyone's going to ask you, oh, by the way, you sound great, but did you go to college? The truth of the matter is, is that that's also very narrow thinking. And we're, they're the ones with the mental problem, not you. I, I found that to be also a good reiteration of the way I grew up as well. But, you know, being on the wrestling team or playing football or basketball or being on the debate team or being on the chess team, all of these diverse activities teaches you how to get along with people. It, it teaches you a little common sense and a sense of where you want to be part of a team. You want to be part of a network. When you go through life and the more people you connect the network with, that also adds to your education as well. You personally gain with the more people that you understand and visit. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Now I think I'm going to go call my dad. <laughs> I'll say goodbye and see you the next time. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy show. Join us weekly for new episodes and more daddy wisdom. Better Call Daddy is good advice always. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. You can also find special episodes on my YouTube channel. And you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Alexa, or your preferred podcatcher. That's a wrap for now.